0: Dedicated to the survival of American democracy in an increasingly dangerous world, this is Secure Freedom Radio with Frank Gaffney, acted as Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Policy under President Ronald Reagan, founder of the Center for Security Policy in Washington, D.C., the go-to man for defense and foreign policy issues, joined by the greatest minds in the security policy business, the special forces in the war of ideas at Secure Freedom Radio. Radio with Frank Gaffney. Welcome to Secure Freedom Radio. This is Frank Gaffney, your host and guide for what I think of as an intelligence briefing on the war for the free world. Who better to provide us some intelligence about the war for the free world than a distinguished veteran of many aspects of it, uh, both in the uniform of the United States Army, through whose ranks he rose to the exalted status of colonel and as a civilian in the United States Defense Department, in which he served as the Director of Cybersecurity Policy, Strategy, and International Affairs in the office of the Secretary of Defense. His name is Colonel John Mills, again, United States Army, retired. Uh, he is, among other things, a contributor to the Epic Times and a very, very important member of uh, our Committee on the Present Danger China. John Mills, it's good to have you back, sir. Welcome, Frank. It's a pleasure as always. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, listen, I wanted to talk to you first and foremost about uh, an article that appeared on the 2nd of July in the Times, a terrific outlet. I'm so proud of you for your frequent contributions there, John. Um, it's about why do retired and now active duty generals and admirals behave the way they do? First of all, uh, remind us, uh, for those who are not paying as rapt attention as they should, uh, what kind of behavior you're talking about, John? And we'll get into the whys.
1: Oh, Frank, this is uh, after such a long career. This pains me what I'm seeing it happen in front of us. We really thought this goes back to really the 2004 election, I would say, the a- B.C.A.D., of essentially politicalization, hyper politicalization of the general and uh, officer and at flag officer, admiral ranks um, on the retired side. But now with General Milley's testimony just a few days ago, now we have active duty generals that I would say have crossed the Rubicon, crossed, crossed a, a almost an unreturnable checkpoint and have essentially become partisan combatants.
0: John, of man who has served in uniform with great distinction, let me say, you know the promotion business, especially as you get to the ranks of colonel and, and then flag officers. Um, it's an increasingly political process, is it not? You have to be something of a politician, as a, uh, as a military man to become a flag or a general officer, an admiral or general, do you not? And what's different about what's been going on of late and and when did it really start, as you see it, to become such a, a politicized process in the sense that it is really problematic?
1: Well, we've always had this phenomenon of peacetime and wartime generals. Wartime generals are our heroes. They are patriots and do great things for the country. On the other hand, most of most of what we see are peacetime generals. Grant from the Civil War was a wartime general. He was very disliked by his peer group. Fast forward to today, even Patton during World War II, but fast forward to today, we have the peacetime phenomenon dominates and it, it it establishes a narrative and a status quo. It's now it's all not about performance, it's about conformance to a narrative and a, and a viewpoint.
0: And that would be a viewpoint on the left, which is rather starkly at odds with the traditional character, not to say that it's been political, typically, but the conservative values that are not only traditional in the military, but that are really enshrined in the U.S. Code of Military Justice and so many other aspects of uh, the culture of the military, no?
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. With uh, Millie crossed line, I would suggest. I'm, I'm very concerned. He rightfully, in many ways, kept the military out of the election process, which, which by law, the election process is a civil process. The military has no role, as opposed to what many, even potentially, I would say on our own side, shout about. Where he crossed it was his, his comments about, I want to understand white rage, words to that effect. He essentially was parroting Black Lives Matter and Antifa, which struck uh, a chord that he was essentially taking sides. He's using the language of the, of, 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 a, of groups that want to destroy this country. Uh, we also, the, what's going on and Millie has not raised a finger as far as I'm aware of publicly about this gentleman, Mr. Bishop Garrison, a, a decorated veteran himself. I will compliment him for that. But he is leading the review of DOD Instruction 1325.06, and everybody like, what in the world is that? Well, that's the key guidance on polit- political activism by uniformed and civilian personnel. Bishop Garrison has the pen on writing that. And in his worldview, everybody who opposes or has a, has a different policy viewpoint from the current president is a white racist, even funny enough if you're not white. So this is just stunning. And, you know, I, I point to a War on the Rocks article by, I'm not going to name the name, I'd say go to War on the Rocks, an active duty colonel uh, who just uh, ferociously ripped into white, you know, white rage, essentially, inside the military. But if you look at any modicum of study of her Twitter, she is an extremist on the other side. So we have a problem Millie is is responsible for this.
0: Well, he's obviously. I, I think it's fair to say, responding to direction from the political authorities, both Lloyd Austin in the Secretary of Defense's seat at the moment, and uh, you know from the Biden White House. I think this is now essentially marching orders that have been given to him. He may be throwing himself into it with <laughs> more enthusiasm than is. Uh, becoming but i uh, i and and maybe really a prime example of of what you're talking about in terms of the politicization and even i would argue weaponization of the military for the purposes of uh of you know the sort of critical race theory and race um warfare, uh, cultural warfare at the minimum, uh, that uh, is, is now part and parcel of the Biden-Harris administration's agenda, I'm afraid. And and John, I guess what I'm asking is, um, in contrast to what has been happening uh, through this past decade or so, uh, I think particularly the Clinton years, particularly the Obama years, particularly now the Biden years, has been, um, you know, the inexorable elevation of people who are willing, yes, to be political, but being political um, to a degree that really betrays those traditional values and and culture of the U.S. military. I'm heartened by the fact that there has been a team of former generals and flag officers who have stood up under the banner of something called Flag Officers for America. That is in stark contrast to what we've been seeing, in fact, uh, from both retired in some quarters and, and active duty military leaders. Um, these folks did an a, a open statement, as you know, and people can find it at Flag Officers 4, number 4america.org. 4, um, and John, I, I just wonder, these folks seem to be Speaking to and representing much more faithfully um, the best traditions of the United States military, and in particular um, the the imperative they all feel, and I know you do uh, having sworn an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies foreign and domestic uh, to do just that now even in their retirement years talk a little bit about that if you want
1: Yeah, yeah the group you're talking about i think is is establishing a heroic and noble and correct stand against this hyper politicalization and weaponization of our military and standing in the breach against this this is this is as rome reached its, its peak and its apogee and began to collapse. This is what happened. The famed Roman military uh, became more focused on the circus of Rome uh, than on defending the the nation state. Our military needs to focus on this. This group, uh, I, think, I think Scott Perry, for
0: example, was part of it. Uh, incredible. Major General Joe R. Buckle is one of its leaders, General Jerry Boykin, three-star lieutenant general, and many others. Yeah, now 200 or so, I think.
1: Yeah, this, this is a strong group, and their, their just historic stand and planting of a flag is, is important uh, because there, uh, the, many others have become automatons. Now, in the military, we follow the lawful orders of those appointed above us. Absolutely, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it has to be for civilian good order to control of the military being vector and also civilian control very important. Uh, Millie has again. I'm trying to be. I'm trying trying to give him in, in some ways the benefit of the doubt, but he's established a a narrative that must be followed. A and 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 again, like with uh, um, the. the uh, gilday the admiral in charge of the navy it's the basic question is is, is yeah, the know does does he is it his job to build deterrence capacity build the navy expand our navy to deter China or to become woke and make sure we have everybody read certain books and become sensitive. Uh, that is a recipe for disaster.
0: It is. And specifically, I guess, John, with respect to the good order and discipline, the the cohesion of the units in the military, the the sense of fraternity that uh, is needed to really perform effectively in combat, as you know so well.
1: Uh, yeah. Their job is to prepare deter and, if necessary, win conflict of of different types, high-end to low-end intensity conflicts. It's to build capacity. It is not to virtue signal. If if we're in the job of virtue signaling, we've lost.
0: Well, we're not in the job of deterring and and winning wars, that's for sure. And, And Sean, I just have to say, and you know this so well from personal experience, having been in the military through thick and thin, uh, the impact of all of this, not only on retention of people that you want to serve, patriots that you want in the military, but also the recruitment of individuals into it is uh, is at risk as well, is it not?
1: Yes. Uh, I mean, this is, this deters many from wanting to join. This, this is a decision factor in those in. And do I want to stay in? Do I want to? Uh, Depart active duty and stay aligned with the Guard or Reserve. This is driving out and indoctrinating a new class and culture and a a, a group of automatons that uh, defending America, preparing, deterring, and if necessary, winning is no longer their focus. That is Uh, just very bad.
0: A disaster. No question about it. John, thank you for your insights in all of this. Look, I want to uh, switch gears if I can quickly because uh, you have in your post military and post civilian government careers um, strapped on another challenge, which is election integrity. And I wanted to just talk quickly. um, We'll have you back on to do it at greater length on another occasion soon, I hope. But uh, give us a a, a sense of what you're doing with the National Election Integrity Association, um, and particularly in your native state of uh, Virginia.
1: Yes, Frank, thank you. uh, With the NEIA, National Election Integrity Association, we are establishing a model. We're calling it FOIA, file, sue, and settle a model and an action plan for the citizen to reassert themselves and retake control of their county, their county election process, their county election board, their county school board. It is a repeatable, actionable process. We're doing a film on it. We should have it wrapped up by the end of July and and begin a, a, a distribution of it. And we have some very strong support from extremely noteworthy national figures. But this is a repeatable model. For the citizen because the demand signal is just overwhelming I, daily i'm getting calls and emails how do i do this what's my next step what should i be doing we we or, want organize, to organize train, and we want to organize train and equip the citizen and we're working in virginia with an exploratory committee led by amanda chase uh, state senator on a forensic audit of Virginia, where, in fact, we're meeting today to discuss uh, what, what is the best uh, best uh, county to address
0: first. Great. Well, as this program um, airs, this will be in the rearview mirror, but we'll look forward to a report on how it's going on uh, that and other fronts that you're teaching about. And when will your FIM bill be available, and, and uh, how would people get access to it, John?
1: Yeah, I would... Uh, we hope to have it done by the end of end of July, maybe sooner. What I would ask is everybody go to the National Election Integrity Association website, NEIA. If you go into Google, put in NEIA election, it should be the first hit.
0: Okay, good. Well, let's hope it'll stay that way, John. Hey, very quickly, I've got Dan Gallington coming up, another distinguished retired colonel, um, about ransomware. But uh, based on uh, particularly your experience uh, in. The office of the secretary of defense on cybersecurity. i, I want to just get quickly your thoughts on what's going on in that space john
1: yeah yeah ransomware is uh one of the first things is we need a clear policy inside the government on that which is usually what they hit us in our seam lines where policy is unclear Rant, why is ransomware been effective because people have been paying the ransom it's like wire wire of uh, ships being hijacked off somalia yeah, well, why why are, why are ships being hijacked off Somalia? Because people have been paying paying the requests, which incurs more hijackings. Uh, that's for, first and foremost. Stop paying the ransom.
0: John, we'll be back to discuss uh, that topic with you too at greater length soon, because uh, you've got a lot of expertise in this mer- in this area, as in so many, and uh, we value so much your inputs and insights. Thanks for your cumulative service to our country, John. Not least that you're rendering. These days, at the National Election Integrity Association, and of course, with our committee on the present danger of China, look forward to having you back soon. In the meantime, stay well and keep up the great work, my friend. Uh, Next up, as promised, uh, retired Colonel Dan Gallington will give us a detailed brief on what's going on in this ransomware space and the upcoming meeting with the Russians next week. What's going to come of all of that and more? Straight ahead. visit us at facebook.com slash secure freedom with frank gaffney